101.1 FM, The Way. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Iran is one step closer to bringing nuclear transportation to Israel. America is one step closer to complete apostasy. And the world is one step closer to designer weather. And look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's super pig? Don't look now, but here comes the signs of the times, our weekly review of just some of the Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, March 3rd, 2023. Did you know you can look now or listen later to our broadcast? Because we also make this available as a podcast. Just look for episode 253 wherever you do your podcasting. Or if you want to look, just go to the Signs of the Times section at thewaymedia.net. That's also the same place to go if you have a prophecy question for Pastor Mark or want to read the articles that we discuss for yourself. And now, here to leap tall prophecies in a single commentary is Pastor Mark who tells me that I'm driving him crazy. So I told him I got him close enough so he could walk the rest of the way. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I do my own. Okay. But there's a smilence, you know, and there's the, the crickets driving crazy. That's okay. That's Again, that's... that's that, a, that was a listener-submitted joke, by the way. Oh, I don't mean to hurt any feelings. No, that's okay, uh, because I thought it was funny. And so I'm like, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to go with that. Yeah. No, I, I, again, I'm not saying it's not funny. I think I'm going to put you on. I said, I think I'm going to put you on the payroll. There You're you going to be the staff jokester. No, that's great. There's, but there's a difference in laugh out loud, and that's funny. That's, yes. a, that's a smilence. Uh, that's funny. I like that. Yes. You know, it's like. I <laughs> Go ahead. You no, can continue I, on. I, no, I, no, no. Let's move on. All right. Uh, but this is kind of interesting. Uh, this day in history, uh, after observing a catastrophic British attack of Fort McHenry in 1814, Francis Scott Key wrote the lyrics to the Star Spangled Banner. He noticed with awe that the flag was still flying even after the bombing. And then over 100 years later on, that, on this same day, President Her- Herbert Hoover signed an act making the song the official national anthem. Interesting. So, very yes, interesting. That is very great. Very interesting. So, little attempted humor well, yeah, and, and a little solic- uh, little uh, submission of facts. Which are both Historical good. No, that's fact. good. They're both good. Yes. So, no problem. They're, they're both they're both well, let's good. Move on. Yes, let's move on. All right, let's look at uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Uh, this is from the Times of Israel. Iran unveils a new PAVA, uh, P-A-V-E-H, right. however you pronounce that, right. cruise missile that can reach Israel. Yeah. Well, how, how nice of them. Yeah, it is. And again, you know, we, this really is just more the escalation we always talk about, Greg, with yes. Ezekiel 30 and 39. So it's good to keep everybody up to date on this because they're getting closer. There's other articles in the news today about their, the fact that they have enough uranium now to do a bomb. And so that's pretty much kind of settled. But a senior Iranian general unveiled a new cruise missile with a range of uh, 1650 kilometers or 1,025 miles. That could potentially reach Israel in an interview with state television on Friday, in which was also reiterated Tehran's desire to kill former President Trump. Uh, you know, they want to kill him and take out Israel together. <laughs> the television broadcast, uh, what it said uh-huh. was, the first footage shows the new uh, Pava cruise missile showing the missile launched and flying low over terrain and hitting the target. The guide in the post has said uh, it has cruise missiles. The guard, rather, said they have cruise missiles with ranges of 620 miles. Also, missiles that range up to 1,250 miles, more than enough to reach their arch enemy, Israel, and U.S. bases in the region. Now, I can't look. I don't know if there's going to be any type of missile launch that'll hit a target that Iran will do, but I will say this: Iran will not destroy 
uh, Israel. No. America could be could be destroyed. There's nothing that we're not protected anywhere in Scripture as we rebel against God. But uh, uh, Israel is supernaturally protected. And so they're not going to do anything there. But I think this is good to mention because it reminds of just this constant tension building toward that Iranian-Russian battle that's going to take place where they're going to come against them. You know, God has, has said, I will protect the nation when they come back in the land. He's going to continue to do that. You know, we talked about in the Gulf War where the 39 Scud missiles landed inside of Israel. Of course, none of them had nuclear devices, which, again, is the threat here. They could send something in with a nuclear device. Right. Uh, which really they don't want to do either. They may hate Israel so much they would want to do that, but you know they have a lot of their own people there, and they don't honestly care that much, I don't think, but um, hmm. those people that want Good to point. do this. Yeah. But it is interesting. 39 missiles flew in there. Not one not one person died from a missile falling on them. There were a couple of heart attacks. Heart attacks as a result, yeah. And we talked about how, um, you know, how, how does that happen? How do you fire all these rockets right in the middle yeah. of Tel Aviv and all these areas and nothing happened? God's supernatural protection. And even remember pointing out that uh, God's chastisement on the nation. You know, it's interesting in the synagogues in that day, and many of our listeners may not know this. I know you do, Greg. But um, what they would do is if you were disobedient in the community of that day to a point of discipline, public discipline, they would take you to the synagogue and give you 39 lashes. And that, that's it. They'd stop. They wouldn't kill you. They wouldn't give more than 39. They considered that mercy. But it was a sign of discipline because you're in rebellion to uh, to God and his community. I find it interesting yeah. wasn't that God the, allowed 39 lashes to fall on the nation of Israel. What, wasn't the prescription to be 40 lashes, but one was held back for mercy, yes. making it 39? Yeah, okay. which I was, yeah, but which is interesting to me, Greg, because, again, look, yeah. I believe that was part of God's chastisement. On Without the nation a doubt. Of Israel. That's, th- these are things that go yes. beyond chance. Yes. And God was basically saying, I'm, I'm allowing your enemies to give you lashes because you're rebelling against me. For those of you that have ears to hear yeah. and eyes to see, you need to repent. And there was actually a rabbi, if you remember, that came on the news and said, I believe this is the judgment of God based yes. on the lashes of the ancient synagogue. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's really interesting. You bring that up, Pastor Mark. We can look throughout all of Jewish history, which a lot of it is chronicled for us in the Bible. Right. And everything that God has given to the Jews in terms of feasts or festivals or anything, always has an element of Messiah in there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think from the Passover, you know, and and forward. Yeah. When you look at all of them, there is... God is always speaking to the Jews. He's yeah. always talking to them if they're listening. Well, Jesus said... And clearly that rabbi was listening. Yeah, and Jesus said, you search the scriptures thinking you'll find life. He said, but they speak of me. He said, it all talks about me. Yeah. That's, that's your, you, when you read the Bible, you're finding Jesus, which really, Jesus said he is the Bible. He right. said, yeah, I am the Word. He yeah. said, you know, the Word became flesh. So when you read the Bible, whether it's Genesis uh, all the way to Revelation, you're reading Jesus in a sense. Not, you know, Again, not to get too mystical. Jesus sure. is Jesus, and this is the Bible. But I think you understand and can discern. It's the Lord revealing himself by his Word, and he is the Word. Yeah, living living and powerful, and sharper right. than any right. two-edged sword. Yeah. So you said that, that Iran is wanting to take out former President Trump. Yes, they're they're very open about it. Their, their goal has been, they still want to kill him. I think he okay. goes back to Soleimani, when they took Soleimani out, when oh, Trump took him out with okay. that missile. Yeah. They hate him, and they want to take him out. They're still trying to take him out, and 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 uh, um, uh, there's probably those in Washington helping them. Uh, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> no, but... It, but, uh, but at the same time, I'm sure they, many wouldn't be upset if he was taken out, but Iran is saying right up front, they, they want to take out yeah. the president, you know, the former president. You know, I could see Iran trying to send you know you, you get these spam emails or whatever that say hey i'm a whatever prince and i need help yeah you know with my bank account or right whatever the case right. i could see i could see iran sending something to trump on behalf of israel oh you know we love you president trump why don't you come to israel on this day but it's not a street address it's just latitude and longitude coordinates <laughs> you know so if you just show up at this position yeah, right yeah. here yeah on this day at this time yeah uh we have a we have a very special presentation for you, have a special award for you. Yeah, well, again, God, they can only do what God allows them. I know. So. <laughs> All right, let's come back to America. Um, this is from Christian Headlines. Only 4% of Americans hold a biblical worldview post-pandemic. Yeah. It altered beliefs, according to this article. I'm really surprised. I would have thought that this percentage would have been higher based on what's happened. 
I, well, I would too, Greg. First of all, there's a couple things before I even read this. Um, you, you know, in my mindset, I know there's a very low number of Americans that hold a biblical worldview, but I would have guessed somewhere around the 25 percentile range. Um, somewhere in there would have been my guess. Apparently, before the pandemic, it was only at from these um, you know polls that they do. Barnett was only at six percent then. And you say, well, it's only dropped two percent. But when you go from six percent down to four percent, that's you know that's that's a that's a third of the people that at least held on to a worldview now gone. And you're right. And when I saw this headline, I thought, well, you got to be kidding me because I thought that people would be driven back to the Lord. But let's read it. And then I think there's a you can understand why with some thought and and explanation here. But the percentage of Americans who hold a biblical worldview fell to four percent. Um, during the pandemic, while the percentage of self-identified Christians and born-again Christians who hold such a worldview also plummeted according to a new poll. The survey by researcher George Barna and the Cultural Research Center of Arizona Christian University found that the fallout from the pandemic apparently altered the worldview of Americans. Okay, well, let me just say this, including people of faith. While 6% of Americans, this is not the church. That's so. I'm going to clarify that. I, I I misunderstood that even the first time I read it. So this is six percent of the, of Americans here that say prior to the pandemic held a worldview, and only four percent now. Uh, but they're also saying that even within the church that that dropped, which shocks me. So I feel a little bit better now that knowing yeah. the numbers a little bit higher for the church. But either way, this is pathetic. It's pathetic. The yes. research uh, center labeled it seemingly small but a notable drop. It appears that as people's lives were substantially altered by the virus and government policies, um, here's the, here's the reason, Greg. Americans were not spending extra time devoting energy to spiritual matters and the worldview enhancement. The Cultural Research Center said the analysis. Here's what they're saying. And I and I believe they may be right. This is remember Satan's goal is to shut down the church, to stop people from seeking God. And and, and remember, they shut everything down and, and really probably most churches shut down. I mean, we stayed open. There were some other churches that stayed open. Uh, but but a lot of people shut down during this time. And um, and think about it. If you're not going to church if there's no connection to god um and you're not doing that on your own prior to something like this happening let's say the church is what's keeping you seeking god then greg that's going to drop so i think it's because the enemy was successfully shut down the church and it dropped those people who have a biblical worldview because of hearing the word of god yeah do you also think too pastor mark uh this really kind of illuminates those that have not only believed the scriptures but really took prophecy to heart yeah uh and all of god's words so they were prepared that when something like this would happen they would look at things through a prophetic lens right and not through a worldly lens and then panic just like the world panicked yeah uh, do you, I mean, do you think there's some truth to that? I, I think there's definitely an application there, Greg, because here's the bottom line. You know, I, we've said this more than once on this broadcast, but I think if you don't understand prophecy and have a prophetic view in these days in which we live, you're going to be so far behind the curve because these are the days more than ever. I, the sad thing I see happening in much of the church today is there's an, a neglect of prophecy. And let me just say, let me give this balance. Um, I think you can go too much in prophecy. Guys that only talk about prophecy every week, I think that's too much. You've got to have a full picture of the Bible. But if prophecy is anywhere from you know one-fourth to one-third of the Bible, and I think many more lead to the one-third uh, a part of it, then you know, there's a third you're not going to understand that you need. So there's got to be a focus. Uh, uh, that's why we do a program each week on this. Uh, there has to be a focus to some degree on prophecy and understanding prophecy because it tells us what's going to be happening as we get closer to the return of the Lord. So when we get closer to the return of the Lord, there's going to be disruptions in the church. Okay, now we know that prophetically. So what do we do? We say, all right, when that happens, we're pressing in. We're not going to do like everybody else because prophecy tells us there's going to be a falling away in the last days. It says that some will be um, basically um, leaving the fellowship. They'll be forsaking the assembling together. And remember, the scripture says, do not forsake the assembling together, especially as you see the day approaching. So the closer we get to Jesus, yeah. the more we press into church, the more we gather. Plague or not, we gather. Okay, we use wisdom, but we gather. And we see the church throughout history has done that. So. But what happens is, if you don't know prophetically that's going to happen, then when all these things happen, you give in to the culture around you, you begin to fall away like everyone else, and then you have this thing happen. But with a prophetic outlook, you realize, whoa, 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 we're being tricked here. We need to press in. So those who have their eyes on prophecy and understand prophecy are going to stay solid. They're going to stay strong. They're going to recognize it and not be deceived. Those who don't, 
Greg, they're going to fall away. And the yeah. Bible says in the last days there will be a falling away. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing happen. Also, too, do you think it's uh, possible that uh, some of this falling away is the result of uh, the false promises uh, that people have been given uh, when they accept Jesus? Uh, you know, through through yeah. you, you know health and wealth doctrines right. and, and things of that nature, right. and not you know an honest presentation of the gospel. That's right. You know, God doesn't guarantee anywhere in the Bible that if you give your life to Christ, that you won't be poor. He doesn't guarantee that you won't be sick. As a matter of fact, some of the greatest saints of all time have been poor and sick. Um, but Jesus said, "I will take care of you. You will have food." You will have a place to stay. Your needs will be met. But kind of like not, he did with Jeremiah. Yeah, and, and so we know Jesus yeah. grew up poor. We know that because of Joseph and Mary and all that happened with the yeah. offering that they yep. made. You know, they were they were poor and 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 all this. So you know, again, you're right. So there's this whole picture again. If you give your life to the Lord, all your problems go away. And then if you say, well, you can be healthy and wealthy and never be sick, and then suddenly you're not healthy and wealthy. <laughs> And you start going, wait a minute, uh, God has failed or whatever. And, and of course, God doesn't fail. But one of the tragic things to me about the health and wealth doctrine is so many godly people, when it doesn't happen the way they're told that it's supposed to, such as everybody's going to be rich and everybody's always going to be healthy and nobody ever gets sick, because that's not reality. We live in a world where there's going to be sickness. And until Jesus comes back, that's going to happen. So when it doesn't happen the way they say, yeah, it causes you to, you know, um, the person that hasn't searched the scriptures on their own, Greg, to fall away. Yeah. And uh, and you have this whole thing where their faith is damaged and their, their, their life in the Lord is damaged. But when you look at the Bible and we see that in the last days there will be plagues, uh, we do see that believers suffer. You read Hebrews chapter 11, what they call the hall of faith. I mean, go through there. They not only were poor, they had to hide in caves. They were beaten. They were put to death. They, I mean, all these things happened. These were the great men and women that God says were the men and women of faith that I'm giving you, giving you as an example to the church. And look at them. Many of them poor. Many of them hurt. Many of them sick. Well, if, if the health and wealth doctrine is right, what do you do with Hebrews chapter 11? Did they not have enough faith? Look, if the people in the hall of faith did not have enough faith to do what these guys say you can do, we're all doomed. Yeah. We're all, Paul himself says, I went to the Lord and cried three times, God, heal me of this. And God said, no, I'm not going to heal you. Because it was God's basically protecting Paul against pride because he was going to show Paul heaven and all these ways he was going to use Paul. But if, you know, if Paul didn't have enough faith and it really was based on just faith, then none of us have a chance. See, here's the thing. Yes, we have to have faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. We're to be men and women of faith. But I don't care how great our faith is. Sometimes God says... No, for his purposes. Paul had the greatest of faith, and God said, I I see your faith, Paul. I know you believe. I used you to heal others. But you know what? In your case, Paul, no. I'm saying no to you. Why? I want to make sure you stay humble. As a matter of fact, it's not only that you're, you're ill. I'm giving you this sickness. I'm giving it to you as a divine way to keep you humble. And he even goes and tells us in the Scripture that it was demonic. So he let a demon harass Paul. So that Paul would stay humble because Paul saw the third heaven. He saw where God lived. And so he said, you know what? I'm not going to let you get puffed up. I'm going to keep you here. So there's reasons that, that not only God doesn't not only allow sickness, sometimes God causes it. And of course, those in the health and wealth doctrine would start screaming blasphemy at their radio right now. But if you go back and search the scripture, you'll see that God says he gave that to Paul himself. Yeah. God gave it. And God says, I said no to Paul. And if you want to go back and follow that argument saying... Paul lacked faith. Well, let me just tell you, friends, if Paul lacked faith, uh, none of us have a chance because you couldn't have greater faith than what Paul, by seeing heaven, seeing the miracles, seeing Jesus, um, being taught personally by Jesus after the resurrected Jesus personally taught Paul uh, there in the desert, you know, and then he saw multiple visions in his life. And you say, Paul didn't have faith. Oh, my goodness. That's just ridiculous. And plus his understanding of the Torah. He was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a, a yeah. Pharisee. Yeah. And for, so for him to see the fulfillment of what was promised in the Old Testament come to life, that's which right. he knew intimately. That's right. I mean, that's even further. Yeah. Yeah. So the balance is, yes, yeah. we have to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yes, with faith, God still uh, still heals today. He does. God, I've seen God heal people. God, I believe in the healing power of God. I've seen it. And I believe you have to have faith to receive that healing in most cases. I mean, there's times where God heals without faith. You say, well, when is that? Well, you know, Lazarus was dead mm-hmm. and God raised him. Well, it wasn't Lazarus's faith that raised him from the dead. I can tell you that he was dead. Yeah. It was the faith of Jesus. So sometimes even Greg, the faith of others can, can impact it even yeah. when you lack faith. Yeah. But we do see that lack of faith hinders the Lord's work in your life. 
Uh, so there's such you can't put God in a box. There's times where God requires faith for you to be healed. There's times where God will use someone else's faith for you to be healed, as we see with Jesus and Lazarus. There's times where um, you know there's, there, you're not healed because of a lack of faith. That does happen. People lack faith, so God doesn't heal. You know, when God's saying, "I want you to believe me," and you won't. But we can't just say it's always this way. It's always that way. And if you aren't healed, then you're, you're lacking faith and you're this or that. Again, I just, it's so tragic yeah. and there's so much damage. You look at people like Joni Erickson Tata, tremendous faith, used amazingly around the world. She has been prayed for numerous times, has, has total faith that God could heal her and God hasn't healed her. Two things. God didn't fail and she doesn't lack faith. Right. God just said, no, no, I, I know my reason. And like he said to Paul, no, I'm God. Yeah. I know it's best. Yeah. He does always. Yes. Always. All right, let's get in some one world government news. This is from Breitbart.com. Thousands protest against the World Economic Forum backed 15 minute cities in Oxford, England. I think it's Oxford, England, right? Yes. 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 And this is something. Let me read the article, then we need yeah. to talk about this a minute because I bet many of our listeners have never even heard of this. And <laughs> this is a big deal, even for America. Thousands of protesters took to the streets of Oxford on Saturday against the World Economic Forum. There's our buddies again. <laughs> Uh, idea, yes, the idea of so-called 15-minute cities as the local government announced that it would be trialing such a scheme. Last year, the Oxfordshire County and city councils in England proposed a traffic filter system trial scheme that would see license plate reading cameras installed for the purpose of finalizing citizens who drive their cars to other areas of the city without exemptions or resident permits during certain times of the day. Look at the 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 absolute bondage and and tyranny this is. The 15-minute neighborhoods proposed aims to ensure that every resident has all the essential shops, healthcare and parks within a 15-minute walk of their home. They aim to support and add services to restrict them. Uh it's seen uh, it has since been championed by socialist mayor of Paris and Hidalgo uh, as a globalist organization such as Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum as well, the protest on Saturday was attended by Lawrence Fox, star of Breitbart News and film of My Son Hunter, who said people are fed up with being told they can, uh, can't where they can and can't go. And I was going to sneeze. I'm sorry for our listeners. None of this is about uh, climate or pollution. It's about power and control. Here's the bottom line. This is so about power and control. Greg, the lockdowns were trial runs for 15-minute cities. And you need to hear this, listeners, what the World Economic Forum and other world leaders want to do under the guise of uh, climate control, climate change control, and all that. They want to do away with cars the best they can, uh, everything else. And they're saying in order to save the planet, we need to stop everybody from driving everywhere and using all these fossil uh, fuels, as they say, which, again, I don't think they are fossil fuels, but that's a whole other discussion, using gasoline and other things. So you can everybody's going to be locked down. To a small little city where you can't travel anymore. No more trips to Paris. No more trips around the country. No more trips to anywhere. Just your 15-minute radius where you can get everything you need and you live the rest of your life locked in this box. It's basically a prison. Prison cities that the world controls and puts you under. They can monitor you, control you, and it may be something the Antichrist implements. It is a nightmare. We should fight against it with everything in our being. God created us us to be free. He did not create us to be locked up in little boxes. It's basically a people zoo so that the world leaders can look at the people in the people's zoo and go visit the people's zoo, and they give us our boundaries and our little bracelets, and they say, oh, you can drive around that zoo, have fun. It is a nightmare. They're trying in England. I hope they defeat that over there. I hope that we are warned in America and begin to voice our opinions to fight against it here. It is a nightmare. You can you can forget freedom. You can forget liberty. You can forget family vacations. It is yeah. done if this happens. It is a nightmare and should be fought with everything in us. Don't be silent on this, listeners. Speak up. Let your uh, your your council members, your government, whoever, let them know you oppose it, and you. And I think this is one of the things, Greg, where I talk about. You know, you have a line where you say, "This is something I'll fight for." We this should be something we should fight for. There are things you fight for and yeah. things you don't fight for. We have to fight for this with everything we have and fight until the Lord comes back to get His church because this is evil and demonic. Wasn't that one of the one of the movies from Planet of the Apes where the humans were in the zoo? And the apes were. I, I think Actually, was, you're right. Though. I, was that back with Charlton Heston, one yeah, of the old ones, or yeah, one of, the, one, it, with Roddy McDowell and yeah, the that's older the original. Yeah. You're talking about the old originals. Yeah, they yeah. locked them up, and the people were the ones in prison, and monkeys were ruling the world. You know what? <laughs> we're kind of in that world today, aren't we? Where the monkeys are ruling the world, oh, my. and the people are in prison. Yeah, I mean, this is horrible. It is a nightmare. 
it is as bad as the digital uh, money system because once that digital right. money yeah. system comes in, we're going to be controlled in everything we can buy or sell, which, by the way, we know is going to happen by the mark of the beast. But, Greg, we fight until the last breath in us. Yes. Uh, we don't just give in and watch it happen. So we need to be vocal as we're doing right now in yes. the air. And, and everybody else, I encourage you to be vocal and fight against this. It is evil and it is demonic. And we're not going to give in until we have to. Absolutely. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money. Here we go. Here comes the Little money. Little one world economy. And it works right into what we just talked about. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. G money. G money. Give us the give us the top line. The I'm going to give you the report. Here we go. It's from Breitbart.com. EU bankers to discuss creation of a centralized digital currency. Yeah. What a See, segue. Yeah. Th- this is something, guys, this discussion is, is is about to go from a discussion to reality. And it'll go from reality gradually, and then it'll move to the mark of the beast. Let me read this, then let's take a moment to extrapolate a little more on this. The creation of the Eurozone-wide digital currency. I'm glad it's happening over there first and not here. I want to yes. keep the auto zone here. They can have the Eurozone. <laughs> we want the auto The creation zone. of the Eurozone-wide digital currency is to be discussed at a secretive meeting of EU bankers this week. Not so secretive, because they're telling us about it, but they're not. what they mean secretive is they're not giving us the details. For those that aren't paying attention. That's right. The meeting will involve the vast majority of the senior figures within the European Central Banking scene, which, by the way, is where this last day's world government's going to rise up out of. With the heads of all 20 central banks in the Eurozone to be in attendance, as well as six members of the European Central Bank's executive board. Although the meeting has been previously announced to the public earlier this month, its agenda has largely been kept a closely guarded secret. Now that's what's guarded, the agenda. With a press release from the Finnish Central Bank only saying that it will cover various matters within government council responsibilities. Politico, however, now claims to have learned that the meeting will be in part about the creation of a centralized digital euro coin or digital euro digital coin and how to get the general European public to accept its implementation. Now, California and Tennessee is a lot like uh, Europe and America. Um, all the really bad stuff starts in California. Well, and some good stuff used to start years ago, and then would work its way here. So sorry, I don't mean to offend our California friends that are here like now. Like the Jesus movement. Yeah, a lot of great stuff started in California. I guess let's just say it this way. Let me, re- okay. let me reboot this. <laughs> Most things seem to start in California and work their way across the country to our end of the country. They right. kind of have always led the way in whatever the trend was. Hollywood, you name it. Some, some good, some bad. Well, the same thing is true spiritually about Europe. Spiritually, Europe died first, and now America has is in the process of dying. So, what that means is, uh, Europe is the world's California. It's 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 sending its junk our way, and we're dying. And so, when you see these things happen there, that means coming to a nation near you. So, you'll see probably the digital currency implemented first could happen at the same time, but first in Europe, and then it'll come to America. And probably my prediction is. At first, it won't lock everyone down. You'll say, look, you've still got freedom. You can use your digital money, buy what you want, do whatever. But there'll be some kind of probably uh, hand-slapping for your carbon footprint. Uh, you know, you used a little too much gas last week. We just want to make you aware of that. Hey, I noticed you bought too many steaks. Hey, uh, you know, hey, then it'll turn into now we're going to actually penalize you some carbon credits for buying that steak and, and driving too much. And then it's going to be, you know what, now you can't buy gas once you reach that certain level of carbon level, uh, and you need to go to your 15-minute city, and you can't buy that steak. You know? And you can only eat crickets. That's right, crickets or the uh, uh, the lab-generated um, you know, meat yes. that Bill Gates is putting together, yeah. uh, or whatever the case might be. Yes. So, so, and again, look what's happening. I, want you to be, I, I don't want to freak our listeners out. I want to, I want to say what's going to happen and then give you hope. It's going to slowly close in with walls around us until finally... You will not be able to buy or sell anything without permission, and you will be digitized in all your money, which means you'll have no choice but to do what they say or go hungry or have your own garden and your own source of food, which many people are resorting to now, however long you can hold out on that. But, Greg, it perfectly will lead right to what we see in Revelation 13. Eventually, everyone will have to take this mark on their hand or their forehead. The Bible calls it the mark of the beast. And it specifically says, this is thousands of years ago, you will not be able to buy or sell without that mark. That is exactly what they're saying this digital currency will be. You will not be able to buy or sell unless you have a digital currency and the mark, and they will monitor that and control what you can buy or sell. That's why I said, um, and force everybody into these small 15-minute cities, and then Satan... Through the Antichrist, controlling the entire world. Look, that is going to happen. That is the road we're on. 
So there's the bad news. The good news is this. It won't happen until Jesus says so. And the Bible says we're to occupy until he comes. And the Bible says we're to stand for the truth until he comes. And, and the Bible does not say that God will not give us freedom until he takes the church out of here. So don't just lay down, as we said a moment ago, and give up. No, we fight, we fight, we fight, we stand for the truth, and we say, here's what the Word of God says. We're not giving in to your system. We don't give in to it. Do not take the mark of the beast. Being digitized, uh, again, as a society, is not the mark of the beast. The mark is when that goes in your hand or your forehead. That's when you can know when the mark really takes place. But we still need to fight against this and not give in to this system as long as we can because we realize that's where it's going. But you know what? I think that I personally believe God's going to hold the system back to its full implementation until the church is taken out in the rapture of the church, and then that, that time has come. Now, we may get right up to it. We may, have, we may feel the heat. We may feel the pressure. But I think that you know before it gets down to that forced mark, the church is going to be taken out. And even if they were to try to force the mark, Greg, before we're taken out, then, yeah. well, you know what? We'll deal with that. God will give us the grace to deal with it. We do not take the mark. And if it means giving our life, we will. But again, I do not believe that's going to happen. It's my understanding of what I see in the scripture. We'll be out of here before that. Those that are left and miss the rapture, they will have to take the mark or be put to death. And then we'll come back with Jesus at the end of that seven-year great tribulation to rule and reign with him. But either way, so the good news is Jesus is in control. And I believe we're going to be out of here before it happens. But we're watching exactly what Revelation 13 said was going to take place, take place before our very eyes. So get ready. Digital currency is on the way, and digital currency could take place before the rapture. Remember, that's not the mark. And I believe it's very possible that digital currency will take place before the rapture. So when digital currency kicks in in Europe, if suddenly something happens here in America where they kick it in because of some reason they have to, don't freak out. It's not the mark. We can still buy and sell. At some point, though, that's going to be shut down, and the mark will be implemented, and that's when we say no, and that's when I believe we're out of here before that. Well, and the church could also experience the reformation of the one-world government. Absolutely. As the church was birthed yeah. in a one-world government, Look, the church will probably be taken out through the rapture yes. in the revived Roman Empire. Great point, Greg. We were birthed as a church yes. in the Roman world empire, and you know what? There's going to be a revived Roman empire. I wouldn't be surprised to see some major world event happen where all the world comes together in a one-world government. Where they're already working behind the scenes to establish this sure. new Roman empire. Yeah. And then when it comes together, Greg, as a matter of fact, the, the whole world, world Economic Forum, it came from a group that used to call themselves the, the Club of Rome. Yeah, that's or, where its origin. The Club of Rome yeah, develops yes. into the World Economic Forum. Yes. There are two different ent- entities, yes. but if you follow it back, the roots are the yeah. same. Now, with that said, um, they're forming now, and they have been for a long time. When that takes place, we're going to have very possibly this world government, maybe not calling themselves Rome, but I believe the church could very well still be here in that one government yeah. as they now implement all this stuff. But I think that before it gets down to the point of get the mark or die. I think we're taken out of here by our Lord sweeping his bride off of his feet and praise the Lord. He said, pray that you may escape these things coming upon all the earth. And I say, hallelujah, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That's it. And the only mark we want is Pastor Mark. And that is Pastor Mark, (laughs) who's helping us make sense of the signs of the times. Our weekly take on Bible prophecy that we find intertwined with the world's news on WIAM LP Knoxville, a weekly broadcast that we identify this week as podcast number 253, yeah. available through all of your popular podcast outlets. And we'd like to thank Bob Johnson Insurance as a supporter of Signs of the Times. Bob Johnson Insurance has been insuring East Tennesseans for over 50 years with over 15 different types of insurance to cover all aspects of life. Bob Johnson Insurance, 865-922-3111 or online at bobjohnsonins.com. You've got me. We love our mail, Pastor Mark, and we got a couple of good listener questions this week. Uh, the first one is from Michael, who enjoys Signs of the Times in Katy, Texas. He says, my question is why some of my fellow Christian brothers and sisters feel so different on the very soon to come, I believe, pre-trib rapture of the church. Several other teachings I listen to in different locations around the world described the rapture of the church event based on scripture with the same outcome as your lessons teach. With the teachings being so consistent by others around the world, I feel that is evidence of truth being revealed by the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit will only reveal truth. Why do so many believe in a mid-post-rapture, mid- or post-rapture? I know many of these brothers and sisters that truly loved Christ, but yet don't believe in pre-trib. With the Holy Spirit inside of us, why would they not be challenged to what is, what I think is clearly explained, 
and supported in Scripture? Yeah, what a great question. I think it boils down to theological upbringing. Uh, And let me just say this. Look, just because somebody doesn't believe in the pre-trib doesn't mean, and you said it right there, uh, Michael, you laid it out beautifully. They are true brothers and sisters in Christ. These are those who believe in mid-trib, post-trib. They're family. We're all family, no matter what position you come. Of course, the pre-trib, meaning Jesus takes us out at the very beginning of the final seven years on this earth. Mid-trib, he takes us out at the three-and-a-half point of this uh, final seven years. And then post-trib is basically, it's like an elevator. You go up and come right back down at the very end, which I don't know why we'd even go up to come back down. So that one, the post-trib to me makes the least sense of all of them. But either way, without getting sidetracked there, it really is theological upbringing and also whether or not you take Scripture literally or not. Let me start with theological upbringing, Michael, and kind of you know give you a direction. Look, if you're raised in a church... Or around people that teach you that the rapture is going to happen in the mid-trib or the post-trib, and that's all you've ever learned growing up. Well, you trust your teachers. You trust your pastors. You trust them. It doesn't mean you don't love God. It doesn't mean they don't love God. It just means um, that that's, where they, that's what they believe, and that's what they teach. And so you believe that. So that means you're going to grow up believing that as far as a believer goes, unless you can see otherwise. And again, remember, these issues of pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, these are not essential Christian doctrines, and what do I mean by that is, is that they're not essential to salvation. What really matters is Jesus on the cross, his blood is the only way we can be forgiven, and Jesus is the only way to the Father. Now, if we hold on to all of those, then that's the essentials, okay? These are non-essentials. These are just different viewpoints of how he's going to do it all. So we don't divide over this. We love and we unite with the mid-trib brothers and the post-trib brothers and the pre-trib brothers and everybody together in the Lord. So this should not be a dividing factor. But I do believe the primary reason to answer your question, why they would believe that it's how they were trained theologically. Now, I will also say this. If you take the Bible literally, which is what I believe we're to do, you will never come to a mid trib or a post trib understanding. And for example, I didn't grow up in a Bible believing church as a Christian. So when I got saved, I just read the Bible uh, for what it said And I came to a pre-trib position. Why? Because if you read the Bible literally, that's what it teaches. The only way to come to any other position other than pre-trib is to read it allegorically or in some other way that's not literal. Again, remember when I say literal, I mean that every there's lots of symbols and images in the Bible. I acknowledge that. But behind all of them, there's a literal meaning. And the Bible brings out the literal meaning in each of those things. So for me, uh, being a, a baby Christian, just reading the Bible to come to the pre-tribulation rapture was very easy um, because it's 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 the literal interpretation. And I, I lean toward the literal because if you don't go literal, it doesn't mean that everything you interpret would be wrong. But here's the danger of not going literal on the Bible. If you don't take the Bible literally, then whoever is currently teaching the Bible becomes the authority. So if I just teach the Bible literally, then the Bible is the authority. But if I say, here's what it really means, and I change the numbers around, and it doesn't really mean literal days or whatever, then I'm saying, now I'm the authority, and I'm usurping the authority of the literalness of Scripture. Well, that scares me. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to. I would rather be wrong taking the Bible literally than to stand before God and find out I was wrong yeah. because I took it literally. You know Absolutely. what I mean? I'd rather him scold me and say, you yeah. mean you believe my Bible literally? Shame on you, Mark. I would rather have that scolding in heaven on that day and base my theology off of that. Then to stand before him on that day and him say, why in the world did you did you believe these these things that I didn't say, you know, literally? Well, because, Lord, a day wasn't really a day. Uh, a day could be this. And it really meant that. He said, well, it, you should have just believed what I said. So I don't want that kind of chastisement. I'd rather be rebuked for just believing it. Now, so when, and, and, and when I say you can't take it any other way, if you look at the Bible, Jesus said this. OK, let's take it literally now. OK, no one will know the day or the hour of my return. Now, we know there are two returns. Okay, there's a rapture of the church, and there's the second coming. Well, both of those are a day and the hour of the Lord, and he said no one will know the day and the hour. Now, here's the thing. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 9 that when the Antichrist, his world leader, signs a treaty with the nation of Israel, that we can to the day predict the second coming. To the day. It tells us it'll be 2,520 days. Again, I'm doing the math for you out of Daniel 9. If you go do your homework, you'll be able to calculate that yourself. Um, we don't have time for this broadcast. But uh, I, I encourage you to go look, though. Be a Berean there. But either way, so let's say if somebody shows up on the scene and signs a treaty with Israel and the rest of the world for world peace, that's the guy. 
And I can literally say, all right, starting today, it will be, if I take it literal, it will be 2,520 days until the second coming. I mean, it just, it's just what it says, which means you can literally count down the days. Okay. Now, why wouldn't I take it literally? Greg, you know, it's interesting. Something didn't hit me until today when we were discussing something and I didn't bring it up, but it just hit me as we were talking. There are two literal days given in Daniel chapter nine. There's the literal day that Jesus would ride in as the king. And he also gives this day we're talking about now, which is another literal day. Now, we can look back historically and see that Jesus did write in exactly 173,880 days after the command was given to Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. And in that prophecy, he said, when Nehemiah, so when that command goes forth to rebuild the walls that Babylon tore down, it's going to be 173,880 days. So we do the math, and that came out to the day Jesus rode in on a donkey. To the day. We know that now historically. To the day he wrote in. So we were given the exact day because we took it literal. Those who were watching were ready. Those who weren't, weren't. Of course, no one really knew that day at that time. Well, in the same prophecy, he tells us when that treaty signed, it'll be 2,520 days. If the Lord was exact and literal on the first one in that prophecy, why wouldn't it be exact and literal in the second one? It doesn't follow expositional constancy, which means God exposes his word in a constant fashion that we can depend on, right? Right. So... Again, why do I make all that? I'm going to lay out the theology for you. If I take that literally, then I could defy the words of the Lord because it's only one It's only a, a one or two days. If it's not the mid-trib, it's the post-trib when the, when the, Lord, when the Lord comes back. So I can say, all right, 1,260 1, days from this treaty that was signed, Jesus is coming back, or option door number two, 2,520 days the Lord's coming back. So I could pick those two days. And the Lord said, no one will know the day or the hour. So what that tells me is, we, if, you're, if you get saved after the rapture or you know the Bible, you will be able to tell the day of the, second, right. of the second coming. So the Lord is not talking about the second coming. So that just to me, post-tribulation goes out the window right there. Because you could tell the exact day. 2,520 days. Post-trib's gone. I just, I just defied the words of Christ. I can tell the exact day. Nobody can defy the words of Christ. So that one just to me goes out the window. Mid-trib is the only one left. And I can still tell the exact day. If that treaty's signed, I just count 1,260 days, and I say, guys, guess what? Today is the day, and I would be right. Once again, I would be able to defy the words of Christ because he said no one will know the day or the hour. So either way, with mid-trib, post-trib, it gives me the ability to defy the words of Christ if I'm not taken out prior to that, which only leaves the other third and literal option, the Bible teaches, the pre-tribulation rapture. So I know I gave you a lot more maybe than you were asking for there, Michael, but I will say this. Your friends who are saying this, they love the Lord, they know the Lord, don't separate over this. Um, they're they're going to be fine. It doesn't affect their salvation. However, I think it's going to greatly affect their prophetic outlook and I think they're going to miss a lot of what the Lord would reveal to them because they simply don't take the word of God literally. And they're looking to their theological upbringing rather than simply saying, here's what the Bible says. That's my view. And there's my opinion. I hope that helps answer your question. Yeah. All right. Pastor Mark Bryan enjoys signs of the times from Morristown uh, writes in to say that he recently had a dream of a huge floating scroll in the sky that Read only cry out, then he tossed it over a few times and woke up, went about his business, then the next night happened upon a YouTube video explaining Zechariah chapter 5. Lo and behold, he says, the flying scroll of my dream, approximate dimensions and all, is the main subject of this judgment slash vision. He says, I, he says that he has found out since then that the term woman can also be translated as fire and that Shinar is situated in the New Babylon, which he says is in the United States. And then his question is, do you think this vision of the wicker basket, silo, lead weight, silo cap, fire, uranium, and scroll, rocket, are referencing nuclear war? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, interesting. Uh, and, and, and let me just say, first of all, this is I want to give a, a caution to this here uh, for you, Brian, when it comes to interpreting um, prophecy, because again, and this is really good to, I guess, make the example for all of us. This is why we have to stay to the literal interpretation of scripture. Like I said a moment ago, yeah. there's a lot of symbolism used here, but all the symbolism has literal meanings behind it. We don't have time to unfold the entire thing, but you're talking about where the two women with the wings carry the, the, the basket with the lead disc and go to Shinar, the capital of Babylon. Uh, the women represent unclean. It shows it's something demonic because um, only men are angels. It would appear in Scripture. We don't see any women being angels in Scripture. We see them having stork wings, um, which, again, storks are unclean animals. 
Uh, lead is the number is the medal of judgment in the Bible, and there's a lot of things showing this is demonic. All the all the symbolism has literal meanings behind it. That's a whole study about where this capital will be, Babylon, if you will, in the last days. Uh, which is a whole other subject, but I which would is say, a city, not a nation. Yes, yeah. and I would say you need to be very careful uh, about taking words and 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 adding certain meaning. And I know you didn't; you took it from a YouTube video. But you've got to be careful. These people out there that say these things, because I did a quick word study, and none of those things that this person in the YouTube said they mean it doesn't mean any of that. Uh, it does not mean fire when it says woman; it means woman. It's the word Isa. It means woman. It it only means woman, from what I can find. Um, the word uh, basket means um, um, is, is, is where we get the word ephah, which is a grain measure. It has nothing to do with silo. So I guess what I'm saying is whoever you got the video from didn't tell you the truth. They misrepresented what these words mean, and they created by their own analogies rather than taking it literally and then looking for what the literal <laughs> meaning was behind it. And here's the danger. Remember, if somebody tells you what it means and they don't take it literal, they become the authority. He basically put himself as the authority and said, here's what these things mean. But then when you do your own homework, you find out, no, it doesn't mean that. And so now we go back to what it really means, which I explained to you a moment ago. And so this has nothing to do with um, uh, any of these things he said. And as far as Babylon being the America, um, look, could the USA, is the USA going to be a part of last day's Babylon? Absolutely. There is an application because the whole world's going to be a part of this world system of Babylon. Um, could there be something we find out where America ends up being Babylon? I'm not going to say that's totally impossible. But what I'm saying is you can't come from the presumption that it absolutely is Babylon. You can't say America is Babylon. We don't know that. So whoever did this video, they're, they're basically being presumptuous, saying we now have proven biblically, which you can't do, that America is Babylon and all these other things, such as the woman being fire, which it's not. That's not the word at all. Um, or here, silo, basket. No, it's ephah. It's something that carries you know uh, wheat, uh, and they're trying to show like nuclear or whatever. Um, basically, I think there's a lot of, of nonsense going on in this YouTube interpretation. Now, your dream, I'm not discounting. You, you know, hold on to that dream, Michael. I'm, I'm Brian. I'm sorry. Hold on to that dream, Brian, um, because you know, God showed you that for a reason, and, and, and there may be a reason God gave you that. Now, understand, when it comes to dreams, I do believe that God gives dreams, and the scroll does represent the Word of God. In, in uh, Zechariah, it represents God's judgment, but scrolls also are the Word of God, and so... Uh, what you see typically with dreams in Scripture, matter of fact, I don't know of a dream you don't see this, God always confirms those dreams either with another dream. So you don't want to just take one dream and go, oh, here's this dream and God gave me. Say, okay, God, if this is you, give me another dream that confirms this, and then whatever that confirmation is, if it's truly from God, Brian, it will line up with the Bible. It will never go outside the playground or the boundaries of the Bible. So something to confirm it. You see dream, dreams confirming dreams in Scripture. Secondly, it stays within the confines of Scripture. You can't go outside of that. You have to be very careful not to assign Babylon to certain things that we can't say it's assigned to or whatever. Learn to do word studies. Find out how to look up the word basket. Find out how to look up the word woman. See for yourself what it means so people like that online can't deceive you. Um, and so, so hold on to your dream. I don't want to, I don't want you to lose that. That may be something God's given you and then ask for God to confirm it. Uh, learn to do the word study so people can't trick you or deceive you on these things. And again, don't be drawn in by, uh, again, the, again, these fanciful people that say they're prophets and tell you what it really means because they're going to send you down a rabbit trail that can't be backed up with solid foundational theology and get you in a lot of trouble. So, um, I wouldn't put much credence in the, the last part of it in your YouTube thing, but I would hold on to my, my dream that I had and say, God, if it's you, confirm it. Let me see what you're telling me. All right. Okay, Pastor Mark, let's finish up this edition of Signs of the Times with some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Lovely. Yes, delicious. Uh, according to Fox News, an expert is saying that wild super pigs in Canada yeah. are poised to wreak environmental havoc yeah. and spread disease here in the U.S. Well, now, I don't know about the spread disease part, but the first part sounds like my buddies on their Harleys. Wild super <laughs> pigs that are that wreak havoc. So that's great. I love it. I, I, I'm just kidding, but I, I do love to ride... Uh, the Harley. Uh, it's a different super pig here, uh, but they spread disease. So look what it says here. A crossbred super pig from Canada. Um, now, there was no, you know, again, I don't think there's any kind of, you know, cape involved here. Is This could be a new Marvel character. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. There you go. Listen, if you can have Ant-Man and the Wasp. Pig-Man. Why can't you have a pig? Pig-Man. Sir, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Well, that's, well anyway, okay. all right. You know, just anyway. All right. <laughs> slightly sidetracked. Well, the insects will be fitting with the World Economic Forums. Yes, yes. A crossbred super pig from Canada is poised to wreak havoc on the environment in the United States and must be dealt aggressively 
uh, and immediately dealt with aggressively and immediately. A wildlife expert told Fox News Digital, these pigs, and I quote, are easily the worst invasive large mammal on the planet, said Dr. Ryan Brook, an assistant professor in the Department of Animal and Poultry Science at the University of Saskatchewan in Canada. These super pigs are actually a cross between a European wild boar and domestic domestic pig, Brook said. Uh, the pigs cause croc Crop damage, destroy natural environments, get into cities, destroy water quality, and can spread disease to humans, livestock, pets, and native wildlife. The only people who should be worried about this, listen, this is Greg, this last statement is not encouraging to me. Listen, listen <laughs> okay. to this. He's totally serious. <laughs> okay. I, I read that we're going to, this is where we're going to stop. Okay. I read more than this, but listen to what he said. The only people who should be worried about this is anyone who lives in North America, that's us, <laughs> eats meat, that's all of us. Uh, eats vegetables, that's everybody, or eats any foods based on grain crops, that's every human on the planet, and spends time outside for any reason. So it looks like most of us are safe. <laughs> I'm like, this is like what he's out getting. Maybe he's making a point here saying, look, every one of us are in major danger from the super pig. I have trouble picturing the super pig as being this major danger, but Greg, it does line up with the last days. Uh, we talk yeah. about plagues and all these things, and again, maybe this could be something where plagues come in. We know that pigs are an unclean animal for a reason. They do carry certain diseases, and who knows, uh, if not cooked properly, this could be a problem. And to think you wanted to put that under good news. I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't yeah, understand I, why I, you wanted to do good that. News. That's not good news. I mean, yeah. I, and I love now wild super hogs uh, <laughs> screaming across America. That's good news to me, as long as you're how, going to a rally somewhere. Or, or how about how about super bacon that's twice as tasty as see, regular now bacon? Talking, now you're talking. Now that I can buy I into. I the super pig has super flavor. Like, is this just yes, more bacon? exactly. I say we go in there with a bunch of giant eggs, mow these guys yes. down, stop the problem, have a great <laughs> breakfast between us and Canada. You know, and, and kind of, um, anyway... Um, um, ah. All right, well, let's uh, let's uh, get into some sorcery here in Revelation chapter 9 as we look at the blaze telling us uh, a task force has seized uh, uh, seizures of fentanyl in Montana has spiked. Yeah, and again, remember, the Bible says in the last days there will be pharmacia, that is drug abuse, is going to be rampant worldwide. We're now watching America be destroyed by the stuff that China's yeah. sending across the border down there. Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug, uh, it's like a song, Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking, Rocky Mountain High Intensity yes. Drug Trafficking Area Task Force. <laughs> <laughs> sees well over um, three times as much fentanyl in 2022 and 2021, but the 2022 figures up nearly 11,000%. Wow. Was this oh Agent Don, John Denver that... Maybe, according to the press release in Montana, again, the, no, was the, sorry, Montana Attorney General, okay. the amount of illicit fentanyl coming across the southern border has skyrocketed. The poison is killing Mon, Montanans, uh, the attorney, attorney General says. According to the press release, notice this. Our narcotics agents and troopers are getting more fentanyl off the roads than ever. Montana. But, yeah, Think about this yeah, for a minute. But we need additional tools and resources to keep it out of our communities. Greg, you know, it's, it's interesting. China has said their goal is to bring down America from within due to drug poisoning. Yeah. They said that. They're, they're not shy about it. They said, we want to c- conquer America without weapons. And so they said, if we can inundate them with drugs, get everybody high and partying, sure. you know, they'll be easily docile. Well, they own so much property over here, they don't want to destroy it. Well, that's sad but true. But here's the bottom line, Greg. They are bringing much of this across the border. They're the real reasons we've seen this 11,000% increase there in Montana. And I don't know what the percent increase is as a nation. But it is really, really horrible. And um, there was a lady just in Congress this past week. Two of her children died to fentanyl overdose. And here's the key. You might think, yeah, well, they're out there just throwing down all these pills and, and you know, that, that they're, you know, they the danger, they're putting themselves in danger. All it takes is one wrong pill. If it has too much fentanyl, you're dead. Fentanyl is so deadly. If there's too much mix in one pill, you will lose your life. Well, and I think that's the point that really needs to be made here is that the fentanyl is getting mixed in with other things that people are taking that are still wrong to do, yeah. mind you, but it's getting mixed in other drugs or other pharmaceutical things, and that's what's taking people down. That's right. People are not looking for fentanyl, but fentanyl is being found in things that they are looking for. Well, yeah, and let me, but let me. Sadly, yeah. I have enough connection. Oh, another, okay. Some people are looking for fentanyl. Oh, they actually, are. Okay. Yeah, there are people that actually look to take fentanyl. Wow. Yeah, there's. Well, a then whole, they're looking for death. I know, Greg. It's very sad, but that's happening even in Knoxville. Wow. There are people who are actively pursuing fentanyl here in Knoxville. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair Sorry enough. for that extra tidbit there, but yeah. anyway. Well, that's definitely not good news, so. No, I don't think this is either. No, it's not, but we have to talk about it. Yes, we do. Uh, this is in reference to Revelation 16.9. Yes. This is from the MIT Technology Review. Researchers launched a solar geoengineering test flight in the UK last fall, a.k.a. Chinese balloons. There you go. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, Greg, this is out of MIT, and this is huge. Yes. Again, Revelation 16.9 says that in the last days during the Great Tribulation, men will be scorched with fire from heaven, scorched by the sun, uh, the sun being seven times hotter, and they're going to be uh, you know, cursing God. You wonder, how could the sun get seven times hotter? Some think, well, supernova, whatever. I don't think so. I think it's going to be possibly what man is doing right now. Listen to what this article says. This may very well be what's going to lead to that situation during the Great Tribulation. As you said, they launched that balloon there, Greg. But here's what they're doing. They're doing solar geoengineering. It's a theory that humans can ease global warming by deliberately reflecting more sunlight into space. One possible means is spraying sulfur dioxide in the stratosphere in an effort to mimic a cooling effect that occurs in the aftermath of major volcanic eruptions. It is highly controversial and given concerns about potential unintended consequences. Bingo! The UK effort was not a test of, uh, of or experiment of geoengineering itself, but rather the stated goal is to evaluate a low-cost, controllable, recoverable balloon system according to the details obtained by the MIT Technology Review. Such a system could be used for small-scale geoengineering research efforts or perhaps for an eventual distributed geoengineering deployment involving numerous balloons. That is saying, what they're saying, Greg, they're going to go into the atmosphere they want to, and, and Bill Gates is trying to do this too, and release all these things that are supposed to reflect the heat back out away from the Earth. Now, does anybody see a problem here that that could reverse? Rather than reflecting the heat back out into the atmosphere, what if what they're doing by messing with God's very delicate nature balance is it reflects greater heat down to the planet, which again is exactly what it says in Revelation. The sun will get seven times hotter after the rapture. This may be the kind of technology they try to do in the foolishness of man, thinking they can play God and mess with the environment. God's not going to let the earth be destroyed. God controls it. But in them thinking they can play God and do it, it might be, Greg, in their attempt to release all these this stuff in the stratosphere that it reverses and does the opposite and superheats the earth like a magnifying glass. Now, here's the thing you can't make up. You cannot make this up. They named it the Stratospheric Aerosol Transport and Nucleation, and they're calling it an acronym in short. They are themselves calling Satan. Satan. They're saying the Satan Project is going to save the planet (sighs) from overheating. I mean, you can't make this up. And if you don't think that Satan's behind this, I almost think it's Satan flaunting it in our face. It's mocking. It is a mockery saying, mankind, you are so stupid (laughs) that I'm even going to call it my name. I'm going to deceive your scientists, and I'm going to use it to help destroy the atmosphere in the last days when God begins to pour out his judgments during the Great Tribulation. Now, I'm glad this came from MIT Technology Review, because if it hadn't come from MIT, which is the top technical college in the world, many people would say, yeah, 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 you know, you're doing this. You can't make this stuff up. It is, And I believe we've said this, Greg. I think, look, if Satan is going to have the world bow down to him, he at some point has to let himself be known. You know, he's, he wants the pleasure of saying, bow to me, I'm God. Absolutely. And that means he wants to have his name venerated, even as Jesus' name is venerated. So I believe you're going to see more and more openness as we get to the, the very end. You're going to see Satan's name coming up more and more, and it won't be some Saturday Night Live joke or some cartoon. You're going to see it happening more and more in serious venues such as MIT and this stratospheric aerosol transport and nucleation project, okay? <laughs> you're going to see this more and more because uh. Satan says, I'm God. And you will bow to me. And you will bow to my name. Now, that's not going to happen until the three and a half, final three and a half years. But I believe, Greg, it's going to get more and more blatant. Be watching yeah. for more and more blatant revelation of Satan uh, being worshipped. But here's the thing. What does that mean? Ah, that means we as believers, we more and more blatantly, as we get closer <clears> to the last days, we more and more blatantly recognize and acknowledge and worship the name above all names the name jesus christ our lord and savior who is the king of the universe and king of the world and is coming back soon to take his bride and come back and rule and reign on this earth and thwart satan and all the minions that go with him to final you know destruction forever so again we can rejoice as believers jesus is in control we cover a lot of heavy subjects yeah we we have to remember the lord's in control of everything he's working it toward the culmination that he wants And he's trying to bring as many as he can into the kingdom. And maybe that's you today. Maybe right now you hear God knocking on your heart saying, you know what? I see these things that are coming upon the earth. And what I see is prophetically is coming to pass. Jesus, I need you. And right now, wherever you are, if you will simply bow your head and say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. 
I believe you died for me on the cross. And if you repent and turn from your sins and believe that that name saves you and turn to Jesus, you will be born again. And you're going to miss all of this yuck. Mm. But you have the hope of eternity in glory with the Lord. Make that decision today. Yeah, we sure hope you do and pray that you do as well. Well, that wraps up another edition of our program. Uh, we invite you to visit all things Signs of the Times related and everything else that we have at thewaymedia.net. And we hope you'll make time next Friday at 1.30 as we continue to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today are pointing to God's Word as Signs of the Times. Follow.